0: Hey everyone, Pat here. Before we start today's episode, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of you for making 2019 so amazing. We couldn't be more thankful to you all for tuning in and supporting and can't wait to be back in 2020, bigger than ever. This past week, we asked you on Instagram who your two favorite episodes were from 2019 and the votes are in. Today's episode is with Ashley Merrill, founder and CEO of Lunia, whose episode was originally released on July 14th. We had an incredible time sitting down with Ashley. We chatted about her upbringing and early days, all the way to how she launched Lunia by accident while in business school literally as she was giving birth to her first child. We also chat about some other exciting topics, such as the Japanese concept of ikigai and finding meaning to one's own life, as well as general advice for those looking to start their own business. Next week, we'll be releasing another episode of your top favorites. So if you haven't done so, please send us a DM on Instagram or Twitter at The Founder Hour and subscribe to our newsletter at www.thefounderhour.com for exclusive content. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people. All right. Hope you enjoy. What's up, guys? This is the Founder Hour podcast. I'm your co-host, Pat. And I'm posh, and we're sitting here with Ashley Merrill. Ashley, thanks for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: Um, so before we kind of get uh, this thing going, why don't we kind of talk a little bit about how we even heard about Lunia? We yeah. had your husband Mark on the show, yeah, not too long ago. Yeah. When was that? It was like episode, it's been a long time
2: ago
3: now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Episode. <laughs> it's <laughs> in <laughs> the thirties. So yeah, we're in the. We're yeah, we just yeah. passed episode one hundred. So yeah. it was like episode thirty or 40, one something of, one like of that. those. Yeah, forty-one, maybe thirty-one, um, something like that. Yeah. So and I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's like top five. Of our yeah. podcast, like yeah. download wise, so are you trying the to
1: goal, set the bar high for yeah. me? What's happening is, right now? You
0: gotta beat him. Is
1: you gotta beat him? Actually,
0: top three.
3: Okay. Okay. All right. You gotta beat him. Yeah, yeah. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. people love Riot Games.
1: It is a pretty cool company.
3: Yeah, yeah. It was pretty rad when we went there. So yeah, and and we've and we when, I think we posted it on Reddit and it just went like nuts
1: that makes sense that's what yeah, i think that right. the, were just the like, core yeah. the core riot fans yeah. are definitely going to be yeah. on reddit yeah.
3: yeah and it's funny my girlfriend's favorite part of that episode was when he mentioned lunia
1: <laughs> yeah
3: like she came, she did not care about riot games.
1: we have somewhat polarizing yeah. appeal yeah, in yeah, that yeah, way yeah, yeah, so which is good. yes i don't <laughs> that's, think that's anybody good. that works at lunia yeah. is familiar with riot so yeah, yeah, yeah that's nice good. that's yeah. good
3: yeah, yeah she was super excited she's like oh i love lunia i love their stuff you guys got to get her on oh that's awesome. so we i'm glad we finally made it work out and i know it's tough
0: uh, so we're excited to be here. So yeah. So why don't we uh, start things off with where were you born? What was your childhood like? What was young Ashley like?
1: Wow, we're gonna go deep. Yeah, oh, we getting going, real we're deep? deep on this podcast. All right, all right. Um, young Ashley. So um, I'm from LA. Okay. Uh, Mark and I are both LA natives, yeah. which is like makes us. Did beautiful. you go to USC as well? No, I went to the uh, the smart school in town. Mm. UCLA. USC business school? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> extension. Yeah. yeah. UCLA school, yeah. Mark and I have a really yeah, fun yeah, rivalry yeah, yeah, around yeah. this one. Um, a house
3: divided. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's
1: exactly right. Uh, so um yeah, we're both we're we're both from here, but um You know, early on, I was actually an equestrian, so I rode horses. Um, I did this kind of obscure kind of horseback riding called dressage, which was like, it's it's from military riding. So uh, kind of funny, I'm sort of an OCD person though, so it actually makes a lot of sense with my personality type. I did that for years, was very competitive in that all throughout um, elementary and high school. How did you get into that? Isn't that funny? It's it's so random. Basically, I lived in a neighborhood where everybody had horses, oh. and so uh, I got really into horses, was so obsessed with it, uh, started riding more competitively. And then um, ju- I, jumping was what most people would get into, but my dad had said a strict no on jumping. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of like pushed me into this other path. Yeah. And um, it ended up being a good fit for my personality because it's all about precision and practicing right. until you like get something right. Um, and so it was really fun. And uh, I think it also just kept me distracted and out of a lot of the, the things that could have sent me off track yeah. through high school and all that. But yeah.
0: So, did you like think that you would do that professionally, or was it kind of just more of like a hobby? And you knew
1: it was more of a hobby. I knew that there was going to be a moment at the end of high school where I could decide: Am I going to try to go the Olympics route, or am I going to um, am I going to kind of move on? And um, the downside scenario in the Olympics route was not a really appealing one. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Yeah, I'm just. It's just not worth it. Like the life that I could have is just. Pretty specific, and beyond that, you know, it's not a lot. So it became something though that was a hobby, something I was passionate about. I loved horses. It certainly helped me get into college, you know. So it it really was a great thing. Um, I thought I was going to be a lawyer, Mm. and that was because Allie McBeal was super popular when I was uh, like middle school, high school age, and it looked rad. You know, I was like, oh, she's super cool, smart. You know, like a badass. Basically, Mm -hmm. I want to be a lawyer, and so. That was actually what kept me academically on track. Gotcha. Uh, And I thought all the way through college that that was what I wanted to be. And then finally when I got to the end of college – I realized maybe I should like talk to a lawyer. Yeah. And mm. just like make sure that just this is in, case, right. I, yeah, just I'm in not case a fan of what day to day is like. And it was a good thing because yeah. when I talked to her and I was like, yeah, this job isn't quite like it was depicted on Allen McPheel. Mm. And so I realized that yeah. probably wasn't the path for
3: me. You know, I think that's great advice. And I went yeah. to law school actually and I'd never practiced. You actually talked to I did talk to yeah. lawyers and I just, at the end sure. of it, when I got in and long I was like, I don't know if this is something I want to do day to day. Yeah. But I think that's great advice for folks that are listening or just like, you know, the millennial generation is. A lot of things look great on TV. Totally. In film. You know, whether it's being a film or even being an entrepreneur, I think is something that's so uh it's like sexy these days. Oh, I'm an entrepreneur, I get to work for myself, I'm gonna make my own money. It's probably even more difficult than going down a career path of being a lawyer or doctor because there is no blueprint.
1: I there's no law to people all the time that I think that there's actually um there's a there's a trap of it looking really sexy right, right now, right. and I do think there's an allure to going oh I'm going to work for myself, but sure. the reality is most people who start a business don't work for themselves beyond the first year or so because right. they raise money and they actually work Board for the directors, money yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so or, or the customers or the customers yeah, right so right. you're you're still reporting to people yeah, right. um, and now that there's there's no line between your life and your business mm-hmm. because it's like it's all consuming so mm-hmm. I always tell people it's like. There's a concept, I know I'm getting like oh, no, off track perfect. here, but there's a concept called Ikigai, which is one of what our... What is it called again? Ikigai. Okay. It's a Japanese word. And um, it's this idea of picking what you want to do in life, not based on Ally McBeal or you know that what yeah. you think you should do, but figuring out what it is that you're good at, yeah. what is it that you love, what does the world need, and what can you get paid for, mm-hmm. and that you try to basically pick a career Combined. that's the intersection of those things. Yeah. And I think that you can get to such a better outcome with that kind of framework versus this this ladder where like, oh, I need this title and this... Because oftentimes people are not well suited to that job mm-hmm. or they just think they want it because they saw somebody else had it. But when the, when you really unpack what they're good at, what they like to do, it's actually a mismatch.
3: Actually, just to take that one step further, I mean, I, I love that concept and I, w- I can't wait to read more about it. Yeah, after. Me, me too. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And the, the problem I think for me is in those four things you just mentioned yeah. is the, how to make money on it yeah. or how to make money from it or doing that thing. Yeah. It's, I, I feel like it's easier said than done right sure. i think i f- have figured out the other three personally but the fourth one of like you know how do you make money on it right how what what can people do to even start thinking about that or like researching it or i don't i don't know what it is but yeah. how do you get to the answer
1: well i think that's and i don't have the answer for sure. this right but like i'm going to use this company as an example Perfect. so one of the things this that company happened, being lunia yes yeah. right <laughs> sorry okay. um yeah i'm gonna use lunia as an example so um i have a lot of people that come in here as entry-level folks and i ask them what do you want to do and that's like a perplexing question right, for people right. they're like i don't know I, what job. am I supposed to, I, need to yeah. I, I don't know, I want to be a CEO or a CMO or right. they they'd yeah. say some big title that's like what they think they're supposed right. to want to be, or I want to be in marketing. They don't even really know what marketing means, right. but everybody yeah. comes in, oh, I'm going to be yeah. in marketing. Um, the, we do here, we have, we call them shadow days, but basically anyone who's below a director level can shadow once a quarter anybody in the organization, and the idea is to sit next to somebody who's doing something that maybe you know nothing about and to figure out what the job really is, talk to that person about what they like and get a sense of, like, what the day-to-day is like. I also think starting... So, you know, one of the things I suggest then to people is broad exposure. Mm -hmm. Because I think that we all hear about a certain handful of jobs but what you don't realize is you know i'm i got a company here of 45 people and not one of them has the same job title you know so there's a lot of people here doing a lot of really different things that i had never heard of before i started being in this industry
0: Um, I love that concept of exposure. He knows. Yeah, yeah. It's, a good it's just one. like the, because it's like if you're not exposed to certain things, and you how do you really know like what your passion is? Like of you might course. there might be something out there that is perfect for you. Yes. Because now, like when you're exposed to it, you can look back and be like, wow, actually, I think I might be good at that because I like this, I like that, and I feel like my skills complement that really well.
3: Yes. And so both point. of your points, I think the biggest challenge is once you get past college or grad school, there aren't those opportunities unless it's a job.
1: I agree. Um, well, so I think- unless
3: we come up with a company where you know, folks that are working professionals also get to shadow other people in other industries, perhaps, perhaps that's an idea that has legs. I I think, I
1: think one thing I did before I worked here in my first job, I was at, so after college, I went to culinary school for six months. Um, I like sort of backed my parents into a funny spot where they were like, yeah. we're going to pay for four years of school. And so there's like, post the schools that shall po- not be named post college. Yes, okay. exactly. That post superior Los Angeles <laughs> institution. Correct. I um, Stanford was here. <laughs> Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so then, <laughs> amazing. Um, but after graduating, I, I, uh, my parents had said four years, yeah. so I graduated early and right. stuck the culinary school yeah. in there, so <laughs> nice. I went that nice. one out.
3: Yeah, nice so, loophole there. Yeah.
1: I'm like, you weren't specific, and so now you're going to be the price. You just what it took that, to be a lawyer. That's right. <laughs> see? You can see why I thought that might have lined up for me. Um, so, so basically, I wanted to work at venture capital after, mm-hmm. because I thought, you know, I actually love deals. That's what I think I had loved about... The legal ideas, like, I love right. the negotiation. I love deals. I like understanding stuff. it. Transactions. I love entrepreneurs. I like change makers and just being around them. And I was like, this is super cool. Um, and if you think about my, I was a art history and English double major mm-hmm. with a um, culinary school background. I was right. clearly the most perfect hire for a venture capital <laughs> job. So then they, uh, I offered to work for free. And I yeah. worked after school. So at a venture I, capital firm? Um, at a venture capital firm. So I did whatever their most crap, uh, entry level position was. And I just said, I'm going to work for, for free for three months. And, um, if after it, you don't want to hire me, then you don't have to hire me, you know? And luckily they wanted to hire me, but I do advise that to people. So I think there's something to the, and it's not going to be convenient, you know, like I did it after I went to school for a full day. I then drove and did that job. But I think that's, that's the thing is like, you have to be, um, you you have to you have to drive your own destiny Right. you know
0: it sounds like you had a lot of interests <laughs> yeah I, I,
1: so when i'm saying it i'm realizing yeah. it sounds like i'm just
3: like yeah i'm glad you're saying this because yeah. everybody that not everybody but a lot of people we've interviewed are like oh we love this we did this and now we're here
2: here we are yeah. but
3: it's like it's never that way yeah. yeah.
1: Didn't feel that way for me. Yeah, no.
0: exactly. So I guess I'm just wondering kind of where, like, did you, I mean, did you even have, like, a narrow focus of, like, what you, like, I know you said you wanted to go into venture capital. Um, why was that? When did you even kind of come across that thing where you're like, I like deal making? Like, what, uh, growing up, was there anyone in your family who was in venture capital or around you or how did that come it, about? It
1: wasn't the funding piece of it. I just liked the, there's something about people that see challenge as opportunity that Mm -hmm. really appeals to me and that's inherent in people that are starting businesses the odds are against you right you're doing something that has never been done before it's going to be super hard it's like you're around people that believe that they can whatever it is they're trying to do they believe they can Mm -hmm. and that's really awesome to be around and I think that um my dad is someone who's very much like that Mm -hmm. he was a dentist but my dad can build cars. He's like driven, you know. He's driven race cars, builds cars. He like he can fly airplanes. He can do like right. all sorts of crazy right. things. Build homes. Like he's just, um, and I think it's just because he believed he could. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was attracted to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so that really I think for me was a big driver. When I was younger, I uh, we lived near a creek, and I used to. Um, well, I used to organize the rocks in the creek in a straight line. Remember that OCD thing oh, I was telling yeah. you about? yeah. But when I found superior rocks, I would sell them on the side of the road. And mm-hmm. you can imagine I had like a booming business. Yeah. Everybody wants to buy a rock. But um, <laughs> I think that there was something about... Um, like I, I liked that process of, of like cr- finding something of value and kind of yeah. making you know, making a business of it or.
0: Yeah. And was there ever a moment in your life where you, because you had so many like different passions or interests, um, if you will, uh, that you weren't sure kind of like where you would end up or what you would do. Cause I feel like that's pretty common all the just time. in general.
1: <laughs> I, I remember. So, so my path, if you were to just go like, what's the high level resume yeah. was from, uh, you know, I went to UCLA Art History and English. Mm. Then I went to culinary school. Did you finish months. culinary school? I did. So. I did. So I went to culinary school. It was only a six-month okay. program, though, not, not the longer ones. Um, then I went to venture capital. Then I worked at an online media company where I did M&A and BD for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember coming to, talking to actually my dad again. I was chatting with him, and I said, I don't know what to do next. Um, I got to be an entrepreneur at um, at that online media company and build this site called Momtastic Mm -hmm. uh, within the organization. It was amazing, but I was like, what do I do next? I don't have a good business idea and I'm lacking like technical skills to do a lot of certain things that I have competency and what do I do? And, And he said to me, and I thought this was so great. He's like, Ashley, your life is built of tangents. Everybody's life is. And ultimately you don't know where they're headed, but they're all connected. And what they're doing is shaping you into a person that has a certain set of experience and skill set that is going to be very right for something.
0: Yeah. And that's never been <laughs> seen before. It's Everyone's never, life is different. And it's
1: yeah. right. I'm it, laughing
0: because it's just a genius.
3: It's yeah. t- it was
1: so helpful
0: because
3: yeah,
1: yeah. I thought, Dad, how am I going to, I'm going to be in an interview and how am I going to explain this path? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, it's if it's the right if if it's the right job, if it's the right situation, the path's gonna make sense. Right. Or they're gonna you're gonna be able to speak to it and, and the person's gonna understand your, you know, your brain and why you're in right. this way. And I look at it and I swear it's so true. Mm-hmm. You know, like Momtastic taught me how to build a brand and how to acquire audience, and it taught me how to overcome not knowing how to do things. And yeah. I think like, you know, culinary school and art history taught me a lot about creativity and you know, it's just like and for you know, I know for Mark, like his his sports and a lot of that. Taught, taught yeah. him teamwork, and so it's like if you were to put it all together, you don't understand why it works, right. but it works. And I think the
0: biggest worry comes from, I mean, since the age-old you know debate of, of specialists versus generalists, right? And being yeah. a jack of all trades and being Fair. good at a lot of things and knowing a little bit about a lot of things, but not having like a deep expertise in one thing. And I think that a lot of people who have a lot of interest would prefer to be a jack of all trades because it's like I can't just focus on one thing and block out everything else. But that's where the worry comes from is like, will anyone, am I hireable or is anyone going to like pay me for a service that I don't know, like a deep, have a deep knowledge in. So Mm -hmm.
1: This is where that Ikigai exercise is really useful. It's literally circles that overlap and you fill it out.
0: I'm doing this tonight. It's It's like a a double Venn diagram. Yeah,
1: it's exactly. And it's a great place to start because you're not starting from a place of titles or the job you want. You're starting from who you are and Mm -hmm. what actually like motivates you in the world you know and for me actually what was in the center box was creative challenge mm. and when i saw it in there i was like of course that's what i like that's probably why i shouldn't run a mac a big company actually because right. what i like is breaking things mm. so when th- this company will likely outgrow me because that's not a great plan for getting to be, you know, if you're going to get from a 50 million revenue company to a 200 million company, what you need to get there is probably process and people and systems, right? Which is probably not right for someone who likes to break things.
3: (laughs) So, so, so realizing that what, at what point did you realize that creative challenge is what was driving you? When did you do that exercise?
1: I did that exercise like six months ago.
0: Oh, this is like
3: recent. It's oh, recent.
1: The, and i fact. that's where now I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so <laughs> trans. It was like, I looked at it and I went, oh, this makes so much sense. Yeah. But but,
0: so going back, sorry to cut you off. Um, yeah. But going back, like uh, even with that advice that you got, like, would you change anything about your tra- tra- trajectory of like whatever you did, like whatever your major was in college, what you ended up doing after so, so or, no, yeah. and I
1: think that's sort of like that one of those questions that most people always say they they don't, because you don't know what the cost would be of True. those changes, and I'm happy with where I'm at. I will say, and I say this as like, you know, a woman who's trying to balance the kids and the work right. thing, that I did it all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I literally started my business, went to business school, and had kids at the same time. Mm-hmm. I And my husband was running a business, like a big exploding business at the same time. I don't recommend that to anybody. Yeah. And I, and it's like, it's not something that I feel like... People kind of, they're like, wow, that's so impressive. And I'm like, I don't even think we should celebrate it. Because what it means is that I didn't get to enjoy any of those things very much. Mm-hmm. I felt, you know, and I, this is where I think the Ikigai exercise is important because you get to the integrity of what experience is positive right. for you. And I just think like what that meant was... There was a little something that was taken away from all those things. And so for me, my one takeaway would be if I could be sure I would have the same outcome, Mm -hmm. I would definitely not do it all on top of each other.
3: You know, you brought up an interesting point. I hate when people that are podcasters or journalists or whatever, especially males that ask females, like, how do you balance being a mother and like an entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, I hate it. I do hate it. But I mean, knowing Mark and knowing the company that he's built, knowing you and the company you built, I mean – how the hell did you do it? Like, seriously, like, you went to business school. You went to grad school after, right?
1: Uh, I did. I went to grad school, yeah. Okay. And I was in grad school while doing the business, while having both kids. So Got that it. was wow. not good. When I did mean, you meet Mark, by the way? I met Mark, so, uh, when I was 19. Okay. I'm 35 now. Okay. Um, we've been married this November. It'll be 10 years. Well, wow. congratulations. Um, Thank you. Um, and, uh. So we've known each other for a long time. He actually moved into my very grungy one-bedroom apartment uh, when he started his business. So we were together before it. And then uh, at like sort of eight months, he moved in because he didn't have a job anymore, didn't have any more income. (laughs) And then I did the books at his business um, on my lunch hour. So I would go over there and- Did
3: you guys ever have- This plan. I mean, did you guys ever sit down and like, like seriously, like you know, you don't have to be humble if you did, but did you ever think that this is where? And I'm sure there's going to be more to to, than just this. You guys are so young, but was there ever a plan that was like discussed or strategized or like, just even like, oh yeah, like maybe that'll happen in our wildest dreams?
1: You know what? What what I knew is that Mark was ambitious and I was ambitious, and so I think I knew. I felt like comfortable that we would have like a reasonable lifestyle. I assumed we'd both be professionals. I think I sort of like foresaw that. Um, I certainly could never have forecasted where things ended up. Um, but what we did talk about prior to getting married, um, is both Mark and I were raised in a more traditional home structure where the moms for the most of our upbringing stayed home and helped raise us. And our dads were, um, primary breadwinners. Mm -hmm. And I did look to him and I said, that's not going to be how That's not what I'm signing up for. Um, And you have to be okay with that. And I don't even think we both knew the weight of that agreement that we had made at that time. Um, And I feel really happy that we had that conversation because when kids came, things got so hard. And I think if I hadn't been clear about it, then he could have been like, you know, oh my gosh, this wasn't what I thought. Yeah, you're not supporting me and you're not doing these things. But I was like, remember, I said this from the beginning. And so for six years, I was much more in a support role. And, um, and then at six years, I said, okay, like your business is big enough. You've got a lot of team now. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm having, I'm going to have a kid. If I don't start this now, I'm never, I might never do it. And so now's my, my turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and we felt... what We had what we felt was a good idea. And, and that was a together decision. So you went to
3: business school, started Lunia, and I had a kid at the same time?
1: All at the same time. Actually, I started business school September 2012. Um, early September 2012. I found out I was pregnant late September 2012. Wow. And I started Lunia in October of that wow. same year. It was... <laughs> like I said, it's one of those things where you go like, wow. And I feel wow looking yeah. back at yeah. it. But I'm like, I just... It came at a cost to our marriage. It sure. came at a cost to our happiness, yeah. and we're still trying to rebuild what that did to our marriage. I'm just like being real honest yeah. about it. So I say that because I'm always scared that um, I never want to give like a unrealistic portrayal, right. and yeah. then people go, "Oh, this is the new standard. This is right. what I should do." And I'm like, "To me, the it's, perfect
3: couple." Yeah, it's like yeah. it's almost
1: like what happened is I think I missed I miss some of the things that really mattered, right. and and I think Mark too is like we just. I don't know. We we sacrificed a lot f- for probably too long. You know, and I,
3: it's funny. Alexis Ohanian, who I love following, who founded Reddit, and he's now yeah. a venture capitalist, and he talks a lot about this like hustle porn. And now he's now that he's a father, yeah, he's like very into the whole like being a father, like, yes. being a parent. And I think that him and Serena both like started later in life in terms of being parents. Yeah. Um, but I also think that being a full time parent that also comes at a cost for your business. Of course. So it's like. Which one do you pick? Like, there is no good choice. It's almost like a personal decision that you have to make. And it's, so, I mean, I, I haven't been to that point yet, but I feel like it's just so difficult.
1: It's hard because I also, you know, what the way I think about it is I, I look at life as this pie graph and I think about it like, it's 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 the whole life is the pie graph not this moment not the next 5 years so when i think about what i want in that pie graph there's a lot of things i want in it right i want i want family i want fun i want right. i want business um you know like success i want all these things but i also have to acknowledge that those all won't happen at the same time right and so if you look at my life right now it feels pretty two note basically it's kids and and work Work, and so um i it's it's there's not a lot of time for fun and frivolous and spontaneous and art and things that i also care about but i i do think that's if i'm i you know my i got to get my mind right about that and i also think that like I'm going hard with the expectation that I won't be going forever. You know, right. so it's just like so I think that's the other thing is you could also look at life completely differently and go, I want a job that that's great for the lifestyle I want knowing that I might be doing it forever. Yeah. If you, I was going at this pace forever, I would definitely die early. Yeah. You yeah. You know. No, <laughs> it's yeah. like it's no but crit- for
0: someone who is ambitious, um, what how do you you talk about happiness? Like wh- how do you what how do you define that or how do you try to define that for yourself? Like what what is the ideal scenario when you're when you have kids to take care of, you have a family, you have a business. At the time you're in school, you're not anymore, but you want to be able to try to try to balance it out. How, how? At what point do you feel like you get closer and closer to like the optimal happiness point?
1: I feel like if I stay true to my values and the things that I say are important, and so for me, you know, Lunia is more than just a company that sells sleepwear. You know, we are in the we're. we're a women-led company, which I feel like is getting a little cliche at this point, but it's like, it's, we have an opportunity to be an example of what a a great company can be. And I think that everybody that's here feels like they're a part of that. And, um, you know, there's a handful of companies that are run by women that have actually reached any real size. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's important to be part, I, be the change is my personal quote, like, or not mm-hmm. my personal quote, my personal motto. Yeah. I'm, I'm stealing that from somebody else for sure. <laughs> Gandhi, I think. Um, yeah, probably. Someone with way more eloquence than me, yeah. but I, I loved it and yeah. I heard it and I was like, yes. And I think so for me, there's a mission about being here and about being involved with this that... Um, drives me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I feel like I'm living into the person I say, I want to be a good wife, a good parent, a good friend, um, somebody who, uh, leads an aspirational business, Mm -hmm. um, that feels good. That makes me feel satisfied.
3: And speaking of Lunia I'm trying to remember, and I i probably don't remember everything, but when Mark mentioned that he said that the idea was born, literally, I think, again, this could be a very wrong story. It's okay. But you were looking in the mirrors, something. you're like, there needs to be, like, better sleepwear.
1: Totally. That's okay. exactly the Amazing. story. I was wearing, like, Mark's old... I can't remember if there was oh, yeah, his, his it was his frat <laughs> shirt or his, yeah. like, or some weird, some beautiful like, beautiful USC
3: shirt problem. Probably. probably. <laughs> yeah. No,
1: he wasn't a frat, so definitely if it was out of the store, it was, like, a frat shirt. Or a... um. Or something like Star Wars. I can't remember which one it was. Okay. But it was yeah. I had a rotation between mm-hmm. those two outfits. Mm-hmm. And usually there was some kind of hole because that right. was the reason it was discarded from right. his drawer and made it into mine. And mm-hmm. then um I would be wearing his boxer briefs, which I'd wear rolled up. Yeah. And that was my nighttime I was, you know, outfit. I was I was bringing sexy into the bedroom is what I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to tell you. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that's when I mean like when did, so what was the idea? Uh, and what were you doing at the time? Because I know you did the online media thing. Were you there at the time? Yeah. Like how did yeah? Well
1: so what's funny is um so I was working in that online media company. I got to build Momtastic from the inside, and and it was a cool entrepreneurial experience. And then I kind of got to a place with that company, or Mark's company was doing really well. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, um, what is it that I want to do? And while I enjoyed that job I had, I kind of checked the box on that experience, and I thought you know I'd like to be part of building something um, and it needs to be meaningful because I mean just candidly as his company did well my salary was less and less relevant right. you know and so I thought it can't just be money that gets me out of right. bed in the morning granted I want to make money because it's like that's the yeah, that's not? how I know that the business is <laughs> right. sustainable and yeah. working but it had to be more and so um, you know I realized that I had to have, like, this deep purpose around creating it and whatnot. So for me, I didn't know what the answer was. I had had that experience wearing those old clothes, um, like – quite a while before I did right. it then I found a lot of reasons why not to launch the company I thought you know what do I yeah, know about naturally. making clothes yeah. like I I'm scared you know like all that this isn't a good time like I could list off reasons right, right. right yeah um and then and so there was a gap in time between actually when I ended my job and I knew I was going to business school I had gotten in there was like so that was a plan before that you was did. the plan yeah I went to Anderson um, and so I was like I had you know. I don't remember exactly how much time, but I had some time in between. We were we had moved, so I was like, "Cool, I'm going to move into this mm-hmm. new thing." And um, and I still was like, "I don't know what I'm going to do."
0: Yeah, um, but did I you like? Did you want to be an entrepreneur? Was that the plan, or I, like?
1: I wanted to be a part of something that was meaningful. Okay. It didn't have to be my own thing. So, I what felt were like you
0: going to business school for? What, what like what
1: function? Maybe to find a, a partner oh, okay. or someone else that yeah. was doing a business that maybe I could join. I right. felt like no matter what I did, I wanted to be somebody that could be a part of building something and I needed to gain skills that would be valuable Mm -hmm. in doing that. Um, I guess I kind of look at that very strategically. I was like, if I want to do this, I need to become valuable in this way. Um, my husband would tell you that was how I looked at culinary school too. I was like, if I want to secure a good, uh, you know, guy, I got my culinary school background and yeah. we're ready to go. Um, the, through, what do they say? Like the, the way the way is through the stomach or yeah. something, you know? Yeah, definitely. For, the for the sure, Mark, is. he definitely. eats so much. Yes. So it's was like, yeah. it's totally his love. Definitely language. a thing. Yes, um, but so yeah, so I was like, I got to get these skills, and so I went to business school thinking, okay, this is like, I'm going to meet a person who's got an idea, and I'm just going to like join the team, right. and that's going to be great. What happened, though, is I got pregnant, and when I got pregnant, I thought that idea started haunting me about the sleepwear, (laughs) and I was like, man, it's not a bad idea. It's actually, like, a really good idea, and the precedent totally exists. Like, Lululemon and what they did Mm -hmm. for for athletic wear, which was, like, almost 20-tier... 20 years earlier, was exactly the same. People wearing a substitute product. And frankly, your athletic wear is almost less important because you wear it for 45 minutes, an hour a day. This is the clothing that you're going to wear around all the people you care about most for 50% of your life. And how are you showing up in that way? And I was not showing up as my best self. So I thought, man, if I could help people be confident, and comfortable in you know, in the most intimate time of their day, like that'd be incredible. So anyway, I... When I got pregnant, I realized um, I had an opportunity to do it and that the only thing holding me back was fear. And I thought, actually, um, it would be worse to tell my kids that I didn't do it because I was afraid mm-hmm. than to do it and to fail. Mm-hmm. And so, weirdly, my kids, which is, by the way, the thing I always assumed was going to get in in the way mm-hmm. of my professional right. career, were the impetus for me actually taking the plunge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And so, I guess... Uh, Did you finish business school? I did. You did. So, so you like you had this idea like when you first started business school. I actually
1: did the whole thing. I started it all. Yeah, no, I did the whole thing. Yeah. So so. nobody from
0: business school is working here now.
1: No, no.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So they didn't find a partner. Yeah. No, they didn't find (laughs) it in me. That's yeah. They didn't find it in you. No. No. no, Well, I'm sure. What other
0: reasons? I mean, I know you mentioned fear. Like, what other reasons were there, or like, what were you thinking about that? you were like maybe I shouldn't start this I heard something interesting the other yeah. day or today actually was that inspiration is perishable and like that Ooh. when you come up with a lot of entrepreneurs come up with these ideas and they don't act on it right away mm-hmm. and then by that time like it's, it's too late because you you talk yourself out of it essentially so I don't know how did. I mean, they're you also thinking?
1: representative of a an opportunity, which is usually a moment in time. And if you don't act on it, I also think that sometimes that moment can close. I had two good ideas, or two ideas I thought were good. Um, one was for a wedding registry, and this is actually kind of a funny story. So Mark and I had like no money when we got married, and um, so I registered for gifts. I hope I can not get in trouble for this. I registered for gifts from the only place that I knew. This was. This was 10 years ago, okay, that would let me return for cash because what I actually needed was cash, not a set of like charger yeah. plates you know right. so i would go into bed bath and beyond which let you get cash back at that well, time i
3: mean it's a bad policy so <laughs> it's I mean, totally you can see they're just bad at doing so
1: it. well you know it was great it was for great me for so yeah. what are you gonna do yeah. and so but they they didn't like it too much because i would show up and i'd like i'd accumulate <laughs> a bunch of stuff i'd have like a huge card of things i'd roll it in there and then i would do all my returns and they'd like hand me a big wad of cash but I, if i went back because I had, like, a lot of yeah, things. Yeah. So I would have to go to different Bed, Bath & Beyond locations. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do it all Totally. So I had this idea for what is now, I think, called Zola, but essentially a centralized wedding registry, which would allow you to get... Um, register for things not at just one location but a lot of different places and to be able to just say straight up, hey, I want cash. I want cash. Yeah. You know, and like I think that most people actually yeah. get that, but yeah. culturally it's becoming more common. But There's like
3: crowdfunding for weddings and stuff now. now I mean, this everything. Now yeah. it's all yeah. there, but yeah. at the
1: time none of those right. things existed and so I was like doing my weird ghetto path to get some cash. I felt like a drug dealer. <laughs> I'd go home with like a, just a wad of cash. Um, <laughs> but
3: like no blenders anymore, no, no blenders plates, no, <laughs> no forks. We didn't eat. We had a lot of cash. Actually, but, like, Mark will tell you this. I had
1: no <laughs> tea. TV, Um, and we we lived together, but I wouldn't let us get a TV because I didn't want to pay the cable bill, and so if he wanted to go watch a sports game, we had to go to this Mexican food restaurant, and we'd get (laughs) chips and, like, order drinks because it was free, and we would watch the sports game there.
3: You know, I love this because it's so real, but, did I mean, looking back, do you appreciate that you guys did
2: that? Of course. Like,
3: would you recommend that to, like, young couples who, like, have nothing, they don't even know what they're going to do? but they, don't want, they, they, want to, they know they want to get married, but they're just trying to figure their lives out still.
1: I think it's one of those things that for us was like incredibly bonding, especially because our lives change so dramatically with success that um, it actually is weird because, I mean, uh, like it's it's good weird, of course, but it makes you question who you are and what your values are because now you have different capabilities than you did before. And so having this nice foundation of knowing that, what our what our relationship is actually based in, um and and where our foundation started. It feels really cool. Yeah. You know?
3: So how'd you come up with the name Alunia?
1: So, there's a word, a Swedish word. So, so actually, the way I did it was I started, Google has a Google Translate program. Yeah, we use That's it
3: all the time. Everybody uses it. Yeah, yeah it's
1: awesome. And so, I wanted, I looked up words in every language that would su- suggest things that would relate to sleep. And Dormir. So there, there you go. <laughs> but I wanted it to be um, a, a word that I could own. And so you get the Instagram I could get for, the handles for the you know all this stuff. <laughs> the domain. Yeah. So there's a word in Swedish that's um, that is basically LUNYA, but it's l-u-g-n-a yeah. americans would call that lugna yeah but i spelled it phonetically and it means calm and i also liked that it referenced luna meaning moon mm. in spanish yeah. and so it had this neat like multicultural heritage yeah. and i could put it together to create a word that i thought sounded nice yeah. and was representative of the space short two syllables short all yeah. the things so it's right
0: how, yeah and so how quickly from like having that realization when you're looking in the mirror like how quickly was it until you actually started the company, and, and what were those early days like? Because like I don't know if you knew anything about like just clothing and I manufacturing, knew yeah, so how did you yeah, how did you get going with that stuff? yeah,
1: so 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 the moment in the mirror happened, and probably a year later, you know I, I like was like, okay, I need to do it, and that happened because of that that sort of moment around the it's now or never kind Mm -hmm, of thing mm -hmm. um and so let's say that was september for two years i toiled trying to figure out how to make clothes in fashion um i had no idea what it was it was only me for one of those years and me plus another girl who also didn't know how to make clothes for another one of the years (laughs) and it was um it started with me googling how do you make clothes and then um what i also say to people is it also started i mean for me i'm when i i'm i've I run. So I'm I'm a runner. And the way I look at running is I pick points where I'm allowing myself to walk. I'll be like at the stop sign, I can walk. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, when I commit to something, that's very real for me. I don't like to fail myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was a big day when I said, I'm going to do this. Nothing actually happened that day. Yeah. You made made that. I made the commitment to myself. And once I, committed to myself which it was a long process I tried to beat that idea up for a long time trying to convince myself it was a bad idea but once I was like it's a good idea and I'm in I was in, in, you yeah. know and so then I started telling people and what's weird is when you start putting your dreams out into the universe yeah. I think that most people want to want to so help succeed, you yeah. see so you succeed and so I would like literally go you know I have this idea to do this thing and someone would be like you should talk to so-and-so because she's in the fashion and half the you know 50% of these meetings were a waste of time Sometimes you'd go to a meeting and they would go, I don't know anything but talk to this person. And so I would just follow these leads until I had enough information to piece together how you sort of make a garment. And uh, that was basically the process. And it was sort of like, it was rambling and, and not official. And, um... What it got to is actually that I was manufacturing. I'm lucky to live in L.A. where they do small batch manufacturing. Yeah. But I was even so small that no one wanted to talk to <laughs> me or deal with me. So I was. it was at the point, and of course, remember, I didn't really know anything about making clothes. Right. So um, I was making cookies, trying to bribe them to oh. finish my production because I was the smallest order, and so they would they kept pushing my my manufacturing order behind everybody's. So it was like the craziest, weirdest process ever. And it's funny when I think about where we're at now that that was like yeah. how it started. But you know, that was how it started. Did that
3: company or did that manufacturer give you what you wanted? Like, did they give you? They, did that vision originally that you had ha, that you had was did that translate into the product?
1: No, I'm embarrassed by my first yeah. production line. Yeah. I think, and I'm so grateful to those people who bought any of that product and then maybe even more so to those that then came back and bought again um i had a clear vision but i it's hard to execute i mean this is a business of quantity if you want to do customized fabrics and really high quality construction you need to work with the best of the best which i do it's really expensive it's really expensive and
0: your unit cost is really high
1: that's right and and now and with scale it works out but at that point i was just bleeding money on these pieces that i were like inferior but you have to start somewhere
3: and how, in terms of, I know, I know like influencers and influencer marketing became a very big thing the last few years, but when you started back in 2012, what were you really doing to get the name out about for Lunia?
1: Yeah, so we launched in 2014, okay. so that was when that process started, and for me, you know, if you go, I, I'm willing to put a finite amount of money into this, and I need to get to proof of concept, what I wanted to do is focus on um, what is the lowest hanging fruit with the best chance for ROI Moms. that we could do. Well, what's funny is influencer marketing was not it for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so because my cost of goods was so high and the return on investment on influencers is kind of low yeah. in some respects. It's fine when your cost of goods is down, but if I'm gonna send out, let's say I assume that for every good I send out, you know, maybe I got a thirty percent people will post to Instagram. And then of those people that post to Instagram, how many of those actually like have 1% high convert? converting, yeah. right? It's it's a bad it's yeah. bad for a small business. Yeah. And also now pretend that you're selling a sleepwear product, which is not an item that people are, like, sharing in a selfie, you know? I'm about to sleep. (laughs) That's right. Most women post their pictures when they're, like, all dolled up and they're looking their best, not when they're climbing into bed. So I think this is one thing I talk to people about all the time is just because a mode of marketing or a business model is popular doesn't mean it's actually the right one for your business. And for me, everyone was talking about influencers, and I wanted to because I was like, man, this is sexy and everyone's doing it. But I just couldn't reconcile it. What worked for me was conversion marketing. Mm-hmm. Like Facebook and Google right. paid for us all day like long. paid ads? Yeah, paid <clears throat> ads. And so um, I basically built a whole business just focused on conversion ads and optimizing the um the conversion numbers and and that was how we did it and then later as we got bigger and the right. cost went down and I had yeah. a bigger team influencers became part of that. But
0: did you know like early on um who your target audience was going to be or how did you figure that out?
1: Yeah, you know um I did build so I did I studied Lululemon's um uh, business case mm-hmm. they have a Harvard business case that they did and um one of the things that they talked about in that case is how they created a, a muse. And it was very specific. It's a marketing target. Um, and I think her name is Ocean in, in uh, at Lululemon. And she's like 32. And she, they have very specific about all the things about yeah. her. And um, we did that. So we went, who's the muse? And the muse is not all the people that buy, but it's the person I'm going to speak to. And you pick it carefully because you know that, like, everybody on the on the, you know, Almost no one's going to be the muse, but I need to pick yeah. a muse that appeals to people on different ends of the spectrum. Right. So we kind of identified who we thought the muse was, and we did that based on who we, where we thought the demand was the greatest based on conversations we had right. with people and you know, all this. The cool thing about being an, a digital you know, company is that you can very quickly... Um, determine if you're right <laughs> mm-hmm. and so we had a lot of information very early on that allowed us to kind of yeah, refine yeah. our perspective who was on
3: the team besides you like who were you working with
1: so the first hire was um, this girl Jasmine and she um, was somebody I met actually through her husband and she worked at Lululemon and she was a store manager mm. and um, she started as my personal assistant because I couldn't define a role when you're like you're yeah. just going to do whatever everything like chief of staff that's right yeah, like literally yeah. that's a perfect way uh, that should have been her title yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so she just worked with me. We literally shared a desk, worked off both sides of the desk and at home. And um we just did whatever needed to be done. And neither of us knew what needed to be done, but we were kind of like, we're not above anything, and we'll figure out what we don't right. know how to do. And mm-hmm. so that was my first hire, and she was with me for quite a while. And um, I think the next hire was probably someone to run production, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, because I'm like, I need to sort out this product piece. Yeah. Um, Going back to the target
0: marketing thing, because I'm curious, because I know, like, Lululemon, when they started, if I'm not mistaken, they were, like, only targeting people who do yoga. Like, they were posting, like, on on the, by the yoga classes, like, Lululemon, blah, blah, blah. Um, But everyone sleeps, like, everyone sleeps. So, uh, (laughs) how did did you, like, what was, like, in, like, besides, like, age and, like, you know, women, age this and that, like, how did, were you focused on, like, a particular segment of people that you were, like, they're going to be the ones that are going to not just buy my product, but be like the evangelists and really share it with the world?
1: I mean, are our- So yes, and we had a theory about what this person, who they were and and how they went about their their life, but not as specifically as we are now. Now Mm -hmm. we have very clear segmentation and Mm -hmm. it's much more refined. At that point, it was sort of a general age range and um, sort of general interests of this person, where we might find them. And we literally base that off of who, when we would ask, we'd talk to people or I'd ask them like you know, what do you wear to bed? And they'd say, oh, I wear these old clothes. Would you be interested in something that made you feel different? You know, this kind of thing. Who I had the most resonance out of. This is not a scientific study at this point, you know? And so you just, you're, this is the thing. This is why I think sometimes um, entrepreneurs are really great at running small businesses. And then you sometimes have different people that are good for running bigger businesses, but is you have to be comfortable operating in a large amount of ambiguity and gray area. You to be scrappy. Yeah. And like I had to be willing to pivot all the time because yeah. I often made mistakes and got right. it wrong. And I, I learned to fail very small. Right. So it's like how what's the smallest possible test I can do to right. try to get some direction on this. Because it's
0: like you think you know because you've seen it before like in other cases, but that doesn't apply to yours. That's right. So you, you try that and it doesn't work. Now That's you have right. to do have something to it, else. Yeah.
1: Figure out what is the information I need to know to be able to get to the end of this and say this test worked or it didn't work. And And that's important, actually, when figuring out the test. So you make sure you're collecting the actual data Mm -hmm. you need. Um, But also, you know, just to add challenge to this is it's not like I was building an athletic wear company where there was an existing audience and demand built up. I was going into a space and the opportunity I see and saw was that nobody bought sleepwear. So my job wasn't to sell you my sleepwear. It was to sell you the idea of wearing sleepwear at home at all.
0: Yeah. And, and so, so, like, was it, what was like the industry like at that time? Like, were there other companies? I'm sure there are companies that had it as part of their like line, but it wasn't like that wasn't their focus. But so, how did you, like, how were you like, I'm going to fit in in this part of the market? So,
1: yeah. the way the industry looks and really looked even more then um, was you had traditional pajama sets, which are like woven, yeah. kind of I love Lucy style, yeah. piped yeah. edge. You had sexy lingerie, kind of a la Victoria's Secret or um, La Perla or something mm-hmm. like this and then you had uh substitute products so like people wearing a lot of lululemon around the house mm-hmm. or you had um what i call like like the uh the generalist companies that made sleepwear as like a to increase their average order value on your checkout yeah. Yeah. you'd be like i'm at j crew they right. got a little sleep set i'm yeah. just going to throw it in with the yeah. order and it's done yeah. and so those were really the mar- and excuse me i should say one more which is you have the holiday jammies companies, which yeah. are like the sort of pajama grams of the world yeah, that are yeah. going to give you like, yeah. the yeah, yeah exactly. Like, <laughs> and so that was kind of how I saw it. And what I realized is that my differentiation would be incredibly high quality. I mean, I say to make people feel comfortably confident, but incredibly high quality with a thoroughness to how I think about function and fit. Mm-hmm. And so that shows up in our garments in ways people don't even know. They'll look at it and they'll go, oh, this is really cute. And I'm like, great. What they don't know is that, you know, we created special seams for it so that there's no rubbing and friction that's going to happen when you sleep. We've designed the straps so they don't twist. We have special um, waistbands installed that don't ride up when you wear them. We have you know, even now our fabrics are we have thermoregulating natural fibers. I've got fabrics that increase your body circulation. I've got fabrics that cool your body down and they're all developed within a natural fiber family. Like this is the kind of stuff that I was like, you know, I kind of dreamed of being able to do, but I think that we realized that we could make something that could be functional and didn't have to feel functional. It could feel amazing.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure this is still a challenge and will always be a challenge, but how do you or what was it, what's your approach? Because with sleepwear, like like I think you mentioned Posh earlier, it was like when people are wearing like regular clothes outside, like you want to, you don't always want to wear the same thing. And like you want to, you know, people want to be fashionable, this and that. But with sleepwear, like how many items can you own? And like, how do you get customers like continuously coming back to buy more and more product once that you go Lunia, you
1: never go back. You never go back. And you got to sleep how many days in the year, you know? you <laughs> yeah. got to yeah. wash your clothes. And girls have a lot of friends <laughs> that that's, that's they tell right. about. Right. Yeah. It's a good gifting item. Yeah, I think that great, yeah. often the way people hear about Lunia is they get it for a friend or they'll buy them yeah. a, a face mask or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've seen that there's sort of a lot of friends bringing friends into it. And I think that, um, you know, you, you sort of say that it's like interesting that we're sleepwear, but... Most people, I had a really funny story happen the other day As a girl brought one of our Pima rompers, mm-hmm. and she bought it on a Friday, and she came back on Monday and was like, I need to buy another one. And we're like, okay, what happened? Well, I have to wash this one, and I've been wearing it <laughs> since I bought it on Friday. So people are wearing it out of the yeah. home, and I yeah. think that that's the difference, right? It's like normally we think of sleepers either so embarrassing or so ugly that you'd never wear it right. out of the bedroom. Right. I'm designing for sleep because I'm trying to optimize for right. this experience, but the reality is I'm making something so comfortable that you can wear it all weekend long mm-hmm. or all day long if you're not, you know, especially people that work from home love it. Yeah. But that that's a whole different value proposition.
3: Right. In the past five years that you've been doing this, have you seen there be an increase in folks that are actually looking at buying this sort of stuff, like whether it's through analytics of folks that are searching for pajamas or nightwear or sleepwear or whatever it may be, has there been an increase as, you know, apparel has become more micro in terms of, you know, you have your yoga gear, you have your running gear, you have your, I don't know, sleepover gear, you have your camping gear. Like, has has there been some sort of increase that you've seen?
1: I mean, our company has grown roughly 5X year over year. So, um... I Naturally, don't know. Yeah, yeah. so I got to believe that we're creating awareness right. that is creating interest. I don't know if how much of that's specific to our company versus the whole niche. Right. Um, but I mean, we're seeing, I mean, people are loving it. We have a really high um, repeat purchase rate, mm-hmm. um, very low return rate. So what I feel is that people are buying it and they're liking it and they're buying more. So yeah. I assume that. It's, you know, there's, it's right, working and it's, right, yeah. it's, it's
0: an interest. So um, you mentioned, like, you had hired your first hire and you were kind of working from home, like, yeah. t- together. At what point did it kind of start feeling like this is going to take off? This is going to be, like, a real company and I'm going to be able to hire more people? And I know that's not an indicator of what a healthy company is. I know that's, a, no, that's you know, fine. a lot of people think having a lot of, you know, uh, employees yeah, is, is, is the way to go. But, um, yeah, at one point did it start feeling like a real thing?
1: You know, it's a lot of little things, um so it's funny I tell people this story is I actually launched the business while delivering my daughter by accident. Mm-hmm. um so I have two kids. I had my son first and um and she was like fifteen months after, so just from a timeline standpoint um so i um I was in. I was like in the bed, like the- the Oh, like literally the same time. Literally in the bed. Um, I'm thinking like a couple days apart. No, it's crazy. I was like, it was horrible. I was in contractions, but then I finally got that, um, whatever (laughs) the thing is that they numb you. And so I was feeling okay at that point. And and so I was doing emails because I was like, well, Mark's asleep. Like I'm clearly going to be in this for a while. Like I I don't feel anything anymore, so- it's all fine. Epidural. Um, epidural. That's the word I was. <laughs> I was trying thinking. to think of that damn thing. I think I just blocked the whole experience yeah, 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 out. Yeah, yeah. I was right, like, right, yeah, right. I don't remember that yeah. whole thing that yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so I was, um, I was on my email and I was posting a thank you to Jasmine because just for being awesome, like, yeah. and stepping in while right. I was like in the late stages of pregnancy and the right. whole thing. And I was like, you're awesome. Thank you. And it was on Facebook. This was back in the day.
3: You had to make a note. I had
1: probably. to make. Yeah. I had to make that a public <laughs> announcement. But I wanted her to feel acknowledged. We had right. no team to acknowledge right, her right. amongst so. Anyway, it started going, and I was like, "I, you know, thanks for making Lunia awesome, and it linked to Lunia, and and I still had the site in closed beta, though, and people, I think, all thought that that was meaning that I launched the business, and so they started virally resharing it. My friends did, and I was like, oh my God, it's happening. They're, they're like, sharing it. I'm not going to get them to, like, repeat this action, because this is happening organically. Yeah. So I was like, just take the closed beta, like, the yeah. sign-in off the page, and so we just launched the, the site oh, in that wow. moment <laughs> now amazing. what's funny is when you launch a business like that nothing actually happens right like, but know, did you have
3: inventory like did you i you had your, inventory did i you was have a ready Payment platform on the website did i have what a payment platform
1: yes i was on shopify okay. and it was closed beta so people had been transacting but like my mom and like yeah. right my you're still testing like yeah testing. you weren't ready to fully i wasn't launch. like ready yeah. for it but i was like you can't pass up this opportunity of yeah, right. like organic sharing right. so I'm all these people are on my website
0: and they can't buy that's exactly right like
1: you don't you don't waste that so we just launched it. And what's funny is, though, you know, of course, I'm sure a few people went there, but nobody transacted. So people are like, when you launch, what happens? And I'm like, nothing happens. Like <laughs> Literally, like, nothing. I yeah. think I had one order. It was, like, such yeah, a yeah. lame. But it was – so it wasn't like there was any sort of big validation point, yeah. back to your question. Um, and, and so what it was is a lot of very slow growth. I did pop-ups. I, I, I like – would show up at random, like at an office and, and like, you know, I did a lot of like very grassroots-y type things, had a lot of events at my house, would go to other people's events, Would probably, all this kind of thing. It's very organic, yeah. you know, that process. And then what happens is I'd get some small wins and I'd go, like, okay, this feels good. The process though of being an entrepreneur is like a roller coaster ride oh, yeah. that I've still yet to get off. Right. Um, and so it would be like I would start my day like, yeah like I got this we're killing it and then I would end my day being like what am I doing like why am I making myself crazy like this and every day I'd have to re-get my mind right it was like yeah. a crazy process or,
0: and to that point I'm I'm assuming like you like you you might have been interested in like just clothing and stuff growing up sure. but it wasn't like your biggest passion right um so this was kind of an opportunity that you saw and I know in a lot of cases I mean I've I've just kind of been doing my own like you know just kind of uh, soul searching and yeah. like re- research in this area of like, you know, just kind of have an entrepreneur just finding an opportunity as a business idea and going sure. after it versus like kind of chasing something that's within the realm of like their passion and what yeah. they would love to do because kind of going back to your point, like if you're doing that and you fail… Like, it's fine. Like, you, you fail in something that you love doing. Like, what other, what else were you going to do, right? right? But if things are hard when you're chasing a business opportunity and it's purely for that, Right. then it's so easy to just be like, what am I doing? Let me just do something right. else.
1: That's
2: right. So,
0: how, did, how like, what kept you going in those times where it was like not, no one was buying, like, you had to do all this, like, like did you give yourself a time frame of, like, if I'm not... If if this doesn't happen by this time, then it's not the right idea?
3: It
1: was more monetary. Like, okay. I was only willing to spend a certain amount of money before I started seeing money come back in. I'm actually kind of a naturally conservative person. I was going to tell you
3: earlier. I was like, you're definitely the conservative. I'm much more conservative. <laughs>
1: yeah. Mark is the opposite. Right, and I was yeah. lucky to have a Mark in my corner who was like, this is a great idea. Just Go. Do it, yeah. do it. You got yeah. it. Build the airplane yeah. while flying. And I was like, you're a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. I'm not in tech. Like, it's not going to blow up. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what's yeah. going on. And, and, um, so I had to make my own path, which yeah. was a combination of, I had really great influence from him yeah. and I had to do what felt right for me and the industry I was in. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I will say like, I meet a lot of people that want to start businesses. And one of the things we talk about, as you mentioned, sort of like, you know, how do you know what you can do yeah. that makes money? Mm-hmm. But I talk about sort of three things cause we invest now in a, a number of businesses and I, I, I'm lucky and I get to see a lot of different plans. And I often, there's that book, Good to Great, and Mm -hmm. they talk about the um, hedgehog principle have you guys heard of that
0: mm-hmm. I I have so many books on my list okay, and yeah, that's so one of them that I've been meaning to read so yeah
1: so frankly there's only like two things I really liked about the book and yeah. the hedgehog <laughs> principle was one of them yeah. and it's basically another I have a thing with like overlapping circles yeah
3: yeah, you do it's another yeah, overlapping yeah. circle do you have any designs in, at lunia with overlapping circles no
1: but now I'm thinking Maybe. it's like we talk a
0: lot about intersections so it's yeah. kind of similar <laughs> totally. it's su- super simple yeah,
3: yeah, it's yeah. like all
1: becoming clear in this moment yeah, yeah.
0: there's gonna be like some design coming Something out that it's
3: like two circles totally
1: and only you guys and the people this Podcast yeah, are yeah. gonna exclusive. know what's up. Yeah, yes, yeah. exclusive yeah. founder hour yeah. exclusive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so basically they say, you know, and I'm I'm butchering it, but this mm-hmm. is the high level, you have to have something you're incredibly passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's going to be super hard and it's got to get you up in the morning. It's got to be something that you have a point of differentiation with. So something that you are distinctly well-suited to solve in a way that somebody else can't copy or or replicate. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have something that has a business model, like Mm -hmm. a plan to make money. And so it's funny that these don't sound that revolutionary, but But it it eliminates most deals that I see that come across my desk. And I think that those, it's usually not the passion problem. Most people are passionate. Usually it's... um, either a point of differentiation there's no like i look at it and go they're not special someone else can a lot do of that.
0: people have great ideas but right. they're not the best suited to like someone else that has a better like understanding of how to solve something like I, we always have like tech ideas right like yeah, yeah. A, this app or that app. Yeah, like yeah. not not as like simple as that but like we had some good ones yeah, but uh good. um but it's like we're not we're not tech people so like sure. like if, if so, we can obviously hire someone and partner with someone and all that stuff but it's it's like it's just some things are just not technically... Yeah, but meant. if I'm sitting across
3: the table from a venture capitalist or just a private investor or whatever, they would like, like, why should you build this? Right. Yeah. I'm be like, I don't know. I think I had, well, I had the idea. the best idea? person yeah. in the world to build I it? I had another. the idea. We found somebody to build it. It's coming around. Look at it. But and, like, here's that's the, the thing, extent though. of it.
1: It's not that you need experience. If you were to look at Mark and to look at me, mm-hmm. neither of us had experience. So what, in what is field. it? I mean, what is
3: it that makes... Like, what is that we thing are, that an un- is looking for in terms of like, that person can do it?
1: Mark and I are unrelenting. Mm -hmm. literally unrelenting good luck trying to make me but how do you
3: show you can't how do you show that i've never met you before how do i show that yeah
1: you don't i don't know i don't have the answer for it it's i do think early stage you're investing in the person and so i think there is a reason that people tend to like to invest in people they know because it's literally that right like a good idea i see a million good ideas the the ability to make that good idea into something is like will you not sleep until that happens. Also, like, how much of your personal identity is tied? How sick are you, essentially? So yeah, like. yeah. How much of your personal identity is tied into the success of that? Because you are literally going to have to pour your soul into this, and it still might not work. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, is, is I don't know, for both he and I. Yeah. And I think what's cool, what's interesting about both of our journeys is neither of us were from the industry. We both came at it relating to the customer perspective. Right. He was a gamer, incredibly passionate about gaming, and I'm somebody who could relate to not feeling like I had a way to feel comfort- comfortable and confident at home. And that customer hat has served both of us incredibly well right. because we never lost sight of that. Yeah. Our customers and guests at Lunia are the core of our experiences. And so when we're creating... You know, sometimes we make decisions that almost wouldn't make sense as a business decision because I know that as a customer, these are deeply meaningful things.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, I'm curious. A lot of business owners listen to this podcast. I think naturally just sure. that's what it's become. Like a lot of the people that we interview listen to it and they get ideas from yeah. one another. And without giving away too much of, you know, any secrets or anything like that, what is like one marketing strategy or thing that you guys have done in the past or currently – it could have been like one thing that you did. It was like a one off that you've seen work and you were just like, wow, that was amazing. Like, we've, ne- it was perhaps something revolutionary.
0: Perhaps it wasn't revolutionary, but something that just stood out to you. I think marketing strategy sometimes is a negative con- connotation. It's like, how, how do you best connect with your cu- customer in, the, like the, in, in a way that is, uh, like, at least that's conversion. like the PC way.
1: Yeah, I'd say when I think about marketing, and I love marketing, because marketing is really human psychology, right? right? Um, Resonance is the thing we talk about here. So what I say is, don't do it because it's pretty on Instagram or whatever. Do it because it's going to resonate with our girl. Yeah. And I think that one thing that is absolutely true is not only do we know who our girl is, we know what our mission is and the value that we provide to her, and that's the barometer in which we use to speak to her and to know um, what kind of dialogues to pursue. So in marketing, we have conversations. Um, we just we did a campaign called I Come First,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which was basically an image of a girl sort of alluding to her masturbating, and we did a huge billboard campaign and put it all over the place. And I was scared to go live with this campaign because for obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, But I thought... You know, it's who we've always been. This isn't a marketing stunt. Right, right. We are like a company. And the reason, the the, the rationale behind this campaign was that um, I had come, I'd watched some, some great Netflix documentaries and read some articles about women, um, some challenges women are having in the bedroom. Like only 25% of women reach climax in sex. Mm-hmm. 30% of women have pain during sex. And on average, it takes them 10 years to tell anyone. And wow. only 30% of women masturbate. So I'm looking at these stats going, Women have a problem in the bedroom, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And like who is better to have this than conversation the woman, yeah. with them than me, right? Yeah. And then and then Lunya. And right. so I was scared of it, but then I was like, but my Motivations are pure. Like at there the end know. of the day, we're a company that's always stood for making women feel comfortable and confident. That's not a campaign. That's who we are. And if you follow our company since inception, in small ways, we've always done things in that vein. And so for me, I think understanding deeply who you are and then being unafraid to step into that, you know, I think is is for us has been the thing that has built loyalty and um, and a strong customer yeah. relationship.
0: I love that um kind of going back to my question about like that moment was was there a moment where it kind of like it was like the tipping point if you will or was it kind of just like a slow gradual increase in terms of like whatever sales
1: i would say it was a slow gradual increase but there have been inflection moments Mm -hmm. um where i go oh my god like where i go this is not going to be a successful company this is going to be a holy cow company Mm. you know where i have those sorts of moments i do believe this will be a billion dollar business Mm -hmm. um and i think that that's important uh because when i talk to you about that mission of having you know we need we need to point to women running successful businesses. Mm-hmm. We need to be more than oh, a lot of women starting businesses. Right. We need to be able to demonstrate success in them. And so to me, it has to it has to work in that way. It doesn't have to be a billion dollar business, but I think there's no reason it shouldn't be. Right. Lou Lemons like an 18 billion dollar business so <laughs> yeah. you're like, honestly, everyone sleeps and not everyone works yeah, out. Yeah, I so think like, I think
0: there's a big divide in apparel especially where it's like I mean, there's fashion in general, yeah. but like the, there's like certain companies that are really big and right. then there's a lot of companies that are really small right. and like not that many in the middle.
1: That's right. Yeah. I, I see that too. It's and a I, reverse bell curve,
0: if you will. I, yeah. yeah.
1: I, I I see that. And I think that's one of the things we think about a lot here is like, you know, we're going to build towards what we think this company should be yeah. um, and super scary, not going to lie.
3: Do you see yourself doing Lunia for the rest of your life?
1: No. I think, um, you know, it's funny. As a as a leader, one thing I really struggle with is, is pe- people. Um, I care a lot about my people, um, but I also like am trying to be a a, a leader that's like not too emotional mm-hmm. and is you know can be professional this way. And so I feel a lot of like complication around people leadership. Um, this is something my husband is just very innately good at this. Mm-hmm. I'm very learned at this, and um, and I think that lately I've had to come to grips with this idea that like you know. Hopefully, a lot of people will scale with the company. And you try to build this company that encourages people to scale with it, that provides resources to help them scale, feedback, learning, all this kind of thing. But not everybody is the right person forever at Mm -hmm. the company. But each person has something valuable that they can contribute. And it might be that they're the right person for the time. I am the right person to run this company for this time. Mm -hmm. Um, I am, I told you, I'm a creative challenge person. That's a really great guy, like, yeah. central factor for right. where this company's at.
0: But once you feel like you're not creatively challenged anymore, now it's just pure business right. numbers.
1: Well, and it should be someone that, like, what is it the center for them is mm-hmm. what the right. company needs most. Mm-hmm. I think I will still be able to add value. I think founders bring soul and help people stay close yeah. to mission. And, um, and I think that I'm still going to be involved. I have no desire to walk away. This is my baby, you know. But I don't – I also just – Running it day to day, you're it's, aware
0: of that 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 day might come.
1: It's a real thing. No, yeah. it's like I'm planning for it. Yeah, and I'm building, I'm I'm making relationships and and trying to build succession planning around myself, not because I want to bounce, but because I don't want this company to be capped at my growth. Yeah, You, right. know? you want it to be problem. bigger than you. Yeah, and right. I want to do the thing that I'm best at. I'm mm. really good at creative stuff. I'm good at not like creative, like painting a picture. Yeah. Right. I'm good at like creative strategy and you know these kinds of things. That's If you want to make me into a weapon, that's the place you're going to deploy me, right. you know? And so I think my I have to be real self-aware about what I'm really good at, try to focus myself in that way so I don't get in the way of Lunia's growth.
0: I know you mentioned you don't have a lot of time outside of just like working right. I'm and you trapped. Know, family and all that yes. stuff. But what, what do you do when you have the time?
1: Um, I mean, really, my life is very much like home with the kids and working yeah. um when i do have free time which is like pretty few and far between 20 minutes yeah like yeah. a little <laughs> bit um so on my birthday i take my birthday off um, when's your birthday at Good february 1st i oh. didn't used to take it off but i realized as i'm getting older it's like kind of a, like a weird like complicated <laughs> day for me yeah it's like so it's a holiday that's yeah, the deal yeah. um i went to an art gallery which was nice. super fun um fun. i went to What's the one that starts with a G? Um, G? Ga, 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 uh, Gagwan or Gag. Uh, Gagosian. Gagosian. Thank you. Yeah. You got it. Um, He's one of our people. Really? Or Armenian, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a cool gallery. I went to like a bunch. I went to some yeah. small ones in Venice. But just, There's one in
3: Beverly Hills, I believe.
1: Yeah, that's the one I went to. Yeah. The, the frivolousness of just having an unscheduled day right, yeah. is like heaven. Mark and I, all do, we do cycling trips. Nice. Um, and we, do, we did one in Italy and we did it in France. And it's basically three days where you've got like a GPS and you're, you're, they deliver my luggage to the hotel I'm supposed to end up that night. And we have no agenda. We stop and have wine. We're like semi buzzed biking. We like stop in these weird little, like funny things. That the freedom of that, like if I have my dream days, it's always about just like freedom. Yeah. Not having no pleasure. Those are pretty few and far between them. It's
0: amazing. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. So fun. Thank yeah. you guys. Yeah, I think I
3: was, I was literally the whole time I was thinking this is probably one of my favorite episodes.
1: Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
3: I usually say that off air. But now I'm saying air. I, 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 think, think, saying it on I air. think,
0: Mark, we're going to beat you. <laughs>
3: yeah. I'm going to try th- to give I, him a run for his I, money. I, I, th- I think you might. I think Mark's <laughs> going to be in the top six. You can bet yeah. that this is going to become <laughs> yeah.
1: a marketing initiative oh, at Lumia, <laughs> though, and we're yeah. going to be like, look, yeah. this is serious. This is, so, yeah, beat my yeah, hashtag beat his Hashtag beat puppy. You know what's cool about Mark is he would love that. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's like, he is. A huge supporter of mine, and uh, he's been someone in my yeah. corner the whole way. so he'd and, love
3: it. And I think I'm, I'm not the you know, best suited person to say this, but I think that one thing that really you said, and I think that should be heard more, is that I think, I think women are probably better founders than males. I think that from what I've learned from this podcast and from what I've seen, I think you guys are much more organized. You're emotional, but also logical, so men don't tend to have a lot of that emotion. Again, I'm generalizing. generalizing. I'm very heavy generalizing right here. But I I think that what is lacking in society in general are more vocal female founders who are successful. I think a lot of times, because there's so much going on in your lives, you don't have time to talk about it. Sure. You know, you're not as, you know, out there in terms of like doing podcasts and interviews and going on TV and, you know, all that stuff, going on social media. I think, and I'm not saying men aren't busy, but because we're not the primary caretakers of kids. We get to do a lot more of that stuff, but I think that to change that narrative, I think Women need to be more vocal. I think yeah. they need to be like I think we struggled there early on, like to get female founders on our podcast. Really. And it was because like even you know, though hey, even though like we were oh, focused on that, yeah, yeah, we yeah, were yeah. like yeah. getting more. It wasn't getting, a thing. You know, no, 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 we were
1: just sorry like, "Guys, I'm not here <laughs> to no It
3: was <laughs> like you know, it was like, "Hey, we're we would love to be on it, but we're busy. You know, we yeah. have our kids, and we're like, yeah, we totally get
2: it." I mean, also, you saw how long it took us to schedule.
1: Exactly. No, totally. Also, when
0: it comes to like just running the company, like you said, like um, you know, you're you're trying to build a billion dollar company, right? And so you're so focused, you're so much more. Focused, yeah. I think, than someone who you know who may not be as focused, yeah. like because yeah. they can they have more time to yeah. do other things. This
1: is one of those things that we've had to work through, even in our relationship. At this point, as my company's needs have grown, Mark's had to be a real big support at yeah. home, and I'm really lucky that. Um, we are so supportive of each other because it's like the reality is you can't be ceo yeah. at home and be running a big con- it's like it, you're just it's just not yeah. yeah
0: if you
3: have to give one final advice on for for folks that do want to have that relationship where both couples both uh, both individuals in that relationship are working what would it be
1: you know i would say choose somebody that really wants you to be the best version of yourself. They're they're really just focused on on you. And then you hopefully are selfless enough to be focused on them. There's sort of a a necessary selflessness in a relationship that's going to invite and demand so many trade-offs you know a lot of sacrifice in our lives mm-hmm. Um, we don't get to do all the fun things we want to do but I would say um, my success because it was important to me was always very important to mark and vice versa and um, I think that that fundamental understanding very early on has really enabled me to be a successful career person
0: also. well we're so excited to see where things go from here Thank and all you. the best to you and Lunia and we're excited to see you on the Forbes, uh, Forbes top 100. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks for your time, guys. Thank you.